Pete Yost here for the Unbuild It podcast with a word about our sponsor, Huber Engineered Woods. There are really three reasons why I think Huber Engineered Woods stands out, and it's a big part of why they're a sponsor of our Unbuild It podcast. First, they develop systems of products. The products are compatible and integrated. Makes our jobs a lot more easy in the field and when specifying. Second is superior tech support. There are really good website resources that they have developed for the application of their products, but they also have an outstanding uh, 800 number tech team that really knows their stuff. And the last is a really active technical research and development team with whom I've done a lot of work over the years and I have a lot of faith in the information I get from them when I have questions about product performance. So that's it. That's our high performance sponsor. Now onto the podcast. I'm Jake Bruton, and today on the Unbuild It podcast, I'm joined by three other builders that I respect, and we're going to talk about business. Let's jump right into the conversation now. So when we're we're discussing the way our businesses run and we were just talking about budget reviews and communicating with clients about where we are financially in a project and how we how we set up our contracts, everything. And I I mentioned we do budget reviews every two weeks. That's not exactly every two weeks on every project. If it's a large new home, we might not do it as often. If it's a bathroom, we might do one in the course of the bathroom, that sort of thing. But if we're set up to do the budget review every two weeks, that means we're entering all of our invoices. We're approving all of our time clock occurrences. We just invoice after we do it. So you, the client gets a budget review first and then an invoice. Uh, and normally they're a day or two apart because we meet with them and talk about the budget review if there's something and then we let them process. Uh, but our, our invoices are like our own format. I never had anybody tell me this is how you should send an invoice. Um, and so what, because we're cost plus, you get a cover sheet that says this is how much you owe. You get a um, chart of everything that's in the invoice on the next page that shows the percentage on, or the, the cost of every invoice, the, the markup, and then what that makes the total for that invoice. Everything's line itemed out. It shows hours that were worked, they're line itemed out, and then the total. And then behind that is a copy of every single ticket that ran through the job. The first one always comes in person. I always hand deliver it and go through it with the clients. We talk about what everything on it means so that it's very clear that they can see it, uh, that they can understand exactly what to expect on the next invoice. From there on out, everything is just, it's an email. I don't want to print 40 pages to take to you. That's a waste of paper. Uh, But it's a very simple, succinct, like, yeah, when you say, oh, you might get an invoice that's 40 pages. Well, 38 of those pages are just copies of tickets. Chances are the client's not even looking at them anyway. Um, so that every two-week cash flow, cash flow is one of the biggest things that kills businesses. Every two weeks, we have money coming in. That means that you pair, you're paying an invoice every two weeks with our contract that says pay within five days, and now I can have subs give me a ticket and then say, hey, can I come by tomorrow for a check? And I'm okay with that most of the time. Like it has to be a sizable invoice from like our concrete guy for me to go, I need a week. 
But my subcontractor agreement says that I'll pay within 21 days, which then now my budget reviews have dictated my invoicing have dictated my ability to pay subcontractors quicker and get them back on the job. Do you have to, oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Do you have to deal with banks? Is it, is it different when you're dealing with a bank and a draw system? A little bit. We're very lucky that the majority of our clients, uh, even for new homes, are cash clients. Uh, when we deal with a bank, we try to make it a once a month thing. Uh, but normally when we're dealing with a bank, it's a larger project. So it's like, that's eh, not that big of a deal. Sure. And a more sizable deposit up front as well. So I'm curious how do you guys handle money, money throwing, you know, through the business? Let me ask you a question first. And this is to maybe frame the conversation. On each of your projects, does the money from each project, meaning the construction costs that are occurred, does all of that flow through your business? Every bit of it. Every bit of it. So yep. if you're going to do $10 million in construction, aero buildings, Profit and loss would have ten million in sales at the top line. Correct. Yeah. Same with with yeah. each you. Yeah, same with yeah. us. See, I guess one of the things, and this is where like I feel somewhat strong that most problems in construction arise from contractors not understanding how their business engine is performing because there's so many millions of dollars flowing through their business that are not organically or inherently their own. It becomes really difficult to sort through the noise to understand how am I performing margin-wise? What are my key performance indicators? Am I pricing projects enough or, or, or accurately enough to be able to make the money that I want to be able to pay myself with profit left over? It's really difficult to... Um, I guess, tease that out when you're essentially a, a pass-through entity for millions of dollars that are not your own. And I don't know that there are many other industries like construction that are like that. I mean, we're, we're essentially a service provider, but most of the costs are being incurred by the subcontractors who work alongside us. Um, so I, I adopted a different system uh, that I can't take credit for. I worked for another builder who implemented the same accounting system um, who is very wise in doing so. But essentially what I do is I offload all of those construction costs from my books and I use a third-party accounting service to be able to do that. So when I start a new project with a client, we will open an account with this third-party accounting service provider who establishes a Wells Fargo trust account that my clients place their construction funds into. Not all at once, but I will ask of them to de deposit funds into this account that is commensurate with kind of the burn rate of our project. And that becomes my working capital for that project. So I know that there's going to be large invoices that come up for window deposits, appliance deposits. I have a pot of money sitting off to the side that is my working capital for that project. I don't have to have that working capital on my own books. Not to mention when I go to place draw requests, I can draw straight from that client to subcontractors and their construction funds never come across my books. And so you've probably heard that phrase, robbing Peter to pay Paul, which is I think what happens a lot when you've got millions of dollars of money flowing into businesses that's crossing streams. It's all coming through one kind of funnel and then going out to many more. Um, it becomes really difficult from a business perspective to, to see through that, like I was saying, to, to understand how you're performing. And so 
I kind of feel very strongly that you can alleviate a lot of problems by getting that money off of your books so that all you're looking at is your organic construction management revenue or whatever you call the fee that you charge to be able to isolate your business and look at your profit and loss with nothing on it but your own construction funds. And it's a, it's a problem that, I, you know, fortunately for me, there's a company in my marketplace that can administer that. I don't know that that exists elsewhere. Um, and I think it would be a challenge for a lot of people to implement, but it's been completely transformational for my business to be able to tell clients, your funds are going to be siloed in this account and they're going to go right from your account to the trade partners without crossing onto my books, without getting cross-contaminated with another client's money. Uh, and interestingly enough, that funding process, it's like a two-way payment and lien release process all in once. So when I log into this user interface and I basically place a draw request to, to draw funds from their account, it doesn't actually issue a check to the trade partner. It issues a voucher that when they sign becomes their legally binding lien release. So they sign a voucher in exchange for cash or check, and that is their legally binding lien release. So it ties the like payment and lien release process all into one. That's amazing. It's extremely efficient. Um, and the accounting architecture of it is pretty, pretty streamlined Like when you think about it. Uh, the user interface of the platform is kind of old and antiquated, but um, it's, it's something that I've found has been like, honestly, like a complete game changer for me. Like I, I couldn't, and this is not to say that the way everyone else is doing it is wrong. I'm just pretty bullish that there is like a, maybe a better way to help business owners run more efficient, profitable businesses by just eliminating that problem of having so much money on your books and not being able to sort through the noise. You know, yeah. so if you're working with a bank on a project, the bank is then going to send the money to this accounting firm. Correct. Because they'd normally just be sending it to like a title company that would be in charge Correct. of disbursement. So now they're dispersing for you the same way a title company would. But they their accounting allows you to split it up to whoever the check is owed to instead of you. Correct. And I think a lot of banks have their own internal fund control process. Like they administer mm -hmm. a similar process on their own. Um, I've actually never had to work with a construction loan or lender. All of my clients have been cash, cash funded, so I'm pretty fortunate in that regard. But um, the previous builder that I worked with who did implement this fund control system worked for a client who had a construction loan. And he basically said, hey, we, we use this accounting system that has all of these kind of checks and balances in it. It's completely transparent, open book. The accounting provider has a CPA on staff, has an attorney on staff, uh, and the bank was totally okay with just depositing the construction loan funds into this Wells Fargo trust account. So that it almost like alleviated and eliminated all of the drag that can come along with yeah. working with a lender, which again, you know, I haven't had to experience, but I've just heard that that adds a lot of drag on the process. Does that do anything at the end of the day when your <clears throat> insurance premiums are based on your revenue or anything like that? Or is no, it because all when based I, on the, the number itself? Yeah, so when I get audited, like by my general liability insurance, yeah. like I have to explain to them, hey, this is the process that I use. So you're There's, looking at my profit and loss and it's showing, you know, X $100,000 of revenue, but that is my own, that's my organic revenue. Like sure. I have to basically 
show them, hey, here's what the all of my construction accounts look like. Here's the sum total of the construction work that we're doing, um, which is similar to how Jackson's running his business um, in the sense that you are siloing your client's money in accounts. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah, so this has been the kind of like maybe also like one of these biggest aha moments for me. Um, it, it is a, I had so much stress coming from just the accounting side and the money flow, um, which I can, I'm sure a lot of us in the, in the industry can kind of relate to. Um, I feel like the norm, what I was expected is like the builder is the bank, essentially. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of projects in the beginning that were uh, construction perm or construction loan. So, and what I found is the bank, they're gonna protect their interest which frankly protects the client, which leaves the builder kind of out there. You got to make it work. And um, so I'm going to explain kind of how it works in my market a little bit when a bank's involved. And we, we primarily work a lot with cash clients, but I, I still work with banks as well, and which has changed how we do things. Um, but in the beginning, it was very much the bank would say, hey, when you get done, order a draw inspection will come out and we'll say this much has been done in our opinion, and this is how much money we'll give you. So if we've done $200,000 worth of work and the bank comes out and says, okay, um, we're going to say your footing is only 70% done, you know? And so we're, so we're going to release, you know, $160,000. I said, well, I've, I've spent 200,000. We don't really care. We're going to give you this much. Yeah. Um, and we're only that, giving you the risk that's out exactly. there. We're giving you what we, what we think. And for years, it was also like, I have to put a window order in and this window package is $200,000. So I have to put 50% down. The bank would say, great, we'll pay you $200,000 when the windows are on site. Um, and so I would be out the 100,000. I would be then paying to have the windows come on site. So then I'd be getting, trying to get, make up these costs. So in the beginning, as a, as a young builder, um, you know, you're, you're trying to be as scrappy as you can. Um, the last thing for me, I didn't want to have a client like, you know, be, be like, I can't, I can't afford, I, I don't have the money to do this. So, I mean, I was, I was stressed. It was constantly, and I, and I never wanted to get into the, um, and you brought stuff as well, you know, Shane, like the, the robbing Peter to pay Paul, but um, I always avoided that. But at the same time, I had one checking account for my business and I would have six projects going on at a time and the checking account would look great. And I know that, okay, we have this much money from this client. I could always go into QuickBooks and, and see things, but I'm a very visual person. And so I have this lump sum account that inevitably what's happening, and I have to just be honest about that, inevitably, I am taking some clients from, you know, some, some deposits from Mr. Smith and I am paying the Jones project when the deposit, I'm going to get that money from Jones like in two days yeah. to reimburse it. But that, that's inevitably, I, I, I felt convicted that if I was to just get, if a client said, I want to audit everything at this moment, as transparent as we're talking about being, technically they would say, well, we've, we've given you, you don't have all of our money at this date, even yeah. if I have it tomorrow, which terrified me. Um, and I also didn't have the, the the backing at the moment to be pushing out hundreds of thousands of dollars between six different jobs and just kind of floating that money. Um, and if I was floating it, I should be getting interest on that, in my opinion. And so uh, I, I decided to kind of change it up a little bit. And I'm doing similar to what Shane does. And it was very different from my market. And I was very nervous about it. But I ultimately realized I can't keep performing this way. Like, it's killing me. It's stressing me out, constantly moving money around, you know, personally and to cover things from payroll to just getting deposits done. Because I never wanted to tell a client, like, I don't have the money to order these. You need to give the money in. And um, I just didn't like the perception that, frankly, painted of me. Like, maybe this builder doesn't have, you know, the... He's not financially stable. He's not financially stable enough to do a job like this. 
Um, and and we, always, we made it work. Um, but what I ended up doing was, I said, you know what, I want to make sure everything's super transparent. So that, what I started doing is every single project had its own checking account. Where this is different from what Shane's doing, which actually, I think there's a lot of, there's a really neat thing that, that you're seeing is that third party. I'm going and creating this bank account. So it's in, my, it's in my company's name. It has my clients, you know, essentially project tied to it. But it is, in full disclosure, it's my account. You know, it's not like my clients have access to it. They can direct deposit into it. But it's fully transparent. So, um, so each month, uh, our clients get like three documents. They get a summary statement. They get like an invoice summary from my company. They get a copy of their checking account you know, um, statement. And then they get a schedule of values. And so the schedule of values for us is a document. Essentially, it ties budget and the schedule together. And we break it down by cost codes and then going you know, horizontally, you'll see monthly. So for you know, August, it's going to say, this is what we spend in every single category. And they can log in. We use Builder Trend. They can log in and see all the invoices for that if they want. We also store copy, digital copies of all the invoices on Builder Trend um, that they can go in and see for that month. And they see like the lump sum at the bottom. And then uh, so they, they're seeing like, all right, we transferred this much money out of your account into our account. And that's essentially the cost of the project, our monthly management fee, which goes out the very first, first of the month. Um, and then our building fee on top of that. Um, so that what, what it's done is, is there are two things with that that are special with this account, which is different. One, we have our clients prime the account in the beginning with a, with a deposit. Um, it's usually a pretty substantial deposit. The next thing is we revise our contracts to where they have to maintain a minimum floor amount is what we call it. So essentially we're saying, we agree that you're gonna always have whatever we deem is the size might be $100,000 in this account. When this, when this drops below 100, you have to contractually reimburse it um, and, and deposit back into it to get up to the floor amount within, I think we say like five business days. Um, and so what we are essentially saying, our clients are, are now funding their project. We always have the money there. Um, we, we withdraw out of that account every week. So as the bills come in each week, on Fridays, we'll say this is what came in. We transfer that out of their account. We pay all the bills. So we're paying our bills almost every week. So our turnaround to our trades and our suppliers is very quick, which is you know a huge value and benefit for our for our trades and suppliers. Um, and then the, what the other document that they get um, each month essentially is a summary statement of saying this is what was in your account, this is what we've spent, this is what's remaining. And so um, if there's a balance they need to essentially ante back in to get them to the floor amount, that has to happen. But then we also on the bottom is saying this is what we expect to spend this next month. And we encourage our clients, and most of them always will, say, we're, we're going to spend another $400,000 next month. They will deposit that into the account. Because uh, if not, contractually, every time we drop below that floor amount, we'd be saying, hey, you need to ante back in. And they might run into that on a weekly basis. Exactly. Though, but... Yeah, they would. I mean, the moment we spend, I mean, we're, we're, transactions are happening every day. So the moment they drop, they'd have to ante back in. And most of our clients are going to you know, essentially say, I don't want to be bothered. Um, we're just going to go ahead and ante that, that deposit in for what's expected. Um, this all completely is dependent on transparency and trust. And so what's different from what I'm doing with Shane, or what Shane's doing is a third party. I have to be honest, like our clients are trusting us. I mean, I have an account that is for their project, but it's my account. They're paying in advance for their projects. Um, it's a huge level of trust and we don't take that for granted. And, and we have to work really hard to maintain that um, in the beginning and earn it and then maintain it throughout construction. Um, so this has also become a huge um, you know, way for us to determine, is this client a good fit? Um, this is not normal for our market. I completely understand that. 
And, but if a client's saying, I'm uncomfortable with this, we're essentially establishing, I'm not uncomfortable with the, maybe the process. I take it as I'm uncomfortable with you all, like in, in the way your firm does this and it's not a good fit. And that's okay. Like there are other builders that do it. Um, the last thing I'll say, I know this is a lot, I'm really sorry, but the last thing I'll say what's different and we've had to work through is banks. So we'd still have some clients that are, are, are using financing. Lenders, financing it. The banks don't give a rip about my contract. And so I've had to learn even from conversations like with Drake, my contract is with the client. It's not with the bank. And even though I have agreements with the bank, I tell the clients that my contract's with you, you are paying me. So I'm going to tell you that we need to spend $400,000 next month. The bank is going to say, we don't care. Come to us after yeah, he yeah, spent the us money. After, which means you personally need to put that money in the account and the bank can then pay you back. Um, that was a learning curve for a couple of, of, you know, of banks in our area of like everyone kind of agreeing to this and then me putting invoices out and them saying, yeah, we're not paying that. And me having to kind of say, all right, let's sit back down here and meet. And the clients reminding them, you, yes, they need to pay you, but you need to pay me. And, and, you know, so that's something that was different for our market. Um, and, and the banks are not, they're not really that excited about for us. Hi, I'm Shane Durkin with Patriot High Performance Homes. Thank you to my co-hosts for welcoming me here to this Builder Business Roundtable and for uh, Huber Engineered Woods for sponsoring this discussion. Um, when I look back on my experience of becoming a builder, there's one product that I think really is like a microcosm of the transformation I went through as a builder, and that was Zip System. Um, I talked about it earlier about the opportunity to, um, you know, take this leap of faith into high performance construction. Uh, and really the first part of that was getting to build a house with zip system in my market. It was hugely transformational for me as a builder, uh, to put on display that I think there's a better way to build. Um, I don't think there's a, a better company out there that embodies the same type of core values I'm trying to embody in my own building philosophy. Uh, and quite honestly, I don't think there are other products like it that deliver as much value to the end consumer. Uh, so uh, great company, great products. Thank you for sponsoring this event.